Gradebook, a Tampa Bay Times podcast on Florida education issues. We are back after two weeks off and happy to be back. Tom Tobin, our education editor, is here with me, reporter Jeff Solacek, and we are set and ready to go with the coming of a new school year. Tom, how's it going after your break off? Uh, it's been a it's been a good summer, Jeff. Uh, it's good to be able to dive into some education issues after the summer. Uh, you know, one of the big things that happened over the summer was uh, uh, some momentum gathering over the issue of uh, House Bill seventy sixty nine, which has been quite controversial, and there's been some momentum to uh, mount a legal challenge against the law. Uh, you've you've looked into this a little bit. What have you What have you seen? What's the What's the status of that effort? There have been a growing number of counties following Broward County's jumping off point. Broward County was the first one to announce that there were problems with the law as it saw fit. And I'm talking about the Broward County School Board. Uh, they, they said that they felt like the law did not do several things properly, including you know, tackling more than one subject when that's not allowed in the Constitution. They argued also that the state is trying to control local taxes with the capital funds money that the school districts receive in their property taxes and a whole variety of other issues. Ever since they jumped off into the lawsuit discussion, other school districts, including Pinellas, Lee, uh, and others have decided that they want to join in, although notably nobody has joined the lawsuit yet. And on the other hand, there are other districts that have decided not to join at all. Sarasota County is one that had a divide on its school board and decided not to get involved. Pasco County really hasn't brought it up, and board members have worried that, especially since it was promoted by House Speaker Richard Corcoran, who is from their community, that maybe there might be some repercussions if they join into a lawsuit. Although they did disagree with it when and fought it when it was coming through the legislature, they're not necessarily keen on joining a lawsuit right now. Yeah, uh, it's interesting how the different takes that district, different districts have. I'd like to dig in just a little bit, very briefly, just to some of the, the actual legal arguments they're making. Our colleague, uh, Kristen Clark, from the Miami Herald, um, re- uh, managed to get her hands on some some of the work product from the attorneys that are uh, looking into this for the districts. And, you know, they look into uh, one of their main arguments is the, the single subject rule in the legislature, which basically says you can um, pass. Uh, I'll read the text. It says every law shall embrace but one subject and, and matter properly connected therewith. And the subject shall be briefly expressed in the title. Uh, the lawyers are saying, uh, this violates, they have a good case that this violates uh, that part of the uh, Constitution. And they say, you know, the title of the House Bill 7069 alone, just that's, it's just an overbroad title. Uh, there can, there's some legal arguments against that that they bring up, but um, those are some interesting uh, uh, legal points that have been brought up so far. Yeah, that's something that is often referred to as log rolling. Also, when you have items coming in at the last minute without being debated, something that Senator Legg, when he was in the Senate, brought up when the legislature tried to shove best and brightest into 
uh, conforming bill at the end of its session, and he voted against it, saying that he just didn't think it was appropriate. Now this is happening on a grand scheme here with 7069, and and that's one of the issues that the school boards are looking into. The, the Broward County School Board attorney had drafted a long memo that that she gave to the board when they discussed this issue back in, I want to say, yeah, early July, right before we all went on vacation. And she noted that, you know, in addition to that single subject thing, that they are violating rules on ad valorem taxes, circumventing the constitutional mandate that school districts operate, control, and supervise all public schools in their districts, noting that there would be a new type of charter school created outside the realm of school district control and a variety of other things and they they didn't they left the door open that more ideas might come forward to further challenge this law rather than closing it on just these set of ideas that that were um, put forth originally well we'll look for the, the uh, next steps on this uh Pinellas, i think uh Pinellas county is expected to deal with this uh, later this month uh i think around the the 14th or 15th um, Hillsborough might make a decision one way or the other as well. So we'll see where this goes. I didn't want to spend too much on this because nothing really uh, solid has happened, but um, it's interesting to note. Well, let me let me throw something out. Let, let me throw something out there because um, at the Pasco County School Board budget hearing the other day, there was an interesting piece. I mentioned Senator Legg earlier and just his role in talking about log rolling, but he also now runs a charter school, which he has run for the past eighteen years. And he came into the school board discussing this aspect of House Bill 7069 and charter school capital funding sharing. Most school districts are sharing some portion of their money that they receive from that tax revenue with the charter schools. In Pasco County, because the school district has such a high level of debt from building its own schools at a rapid pace, the charter schools stand to get nothing. And Senator Legg found himself in the unusual position of trying to advocate for the school district sharing when they don't have to because the school, the charter school needs some additional funding, he said, in order for its long-term viability. So he found himself kind of arguing against this bill, pointing out some of the inequities that he found within it on the same token that the charter school, or pardon me, the public schools are saying there are inequities the other way. Some school districts like Pinellas are paying millions towards their ch- charter schools because they have no debt really to speak of, whereas Pasco and Hillsborough are paying much less or none. And so there's discussion of whether this bill is is providing equitable funding for everyone in the public school system. It's just another interesting piece of the puzzle that's come up lately um, as they're talking about whether to sue or not sue, whether to um, fight or not fight. And and this is all happening when there is absolutely uh, or very little guidelines from the state coming out as to how to implement this bill, which has so many things in it. So uh, House Bill 7069 is going to keep us busy for months and months to come. And, and everybody's kind of just waiting to see what, what they need to do. Jeff, it's, it's pretty late in the summer now. Uh, we're we're uh, well into the, uh, the fiscal year. Uh, has There's been no guidance uh, at all from the uh, Florida Department of Education on how to proceed with the, the, these kinds of details? There have been two items that the department has sent out relating to small pieces of the bill, but for major portions, there has been nothing. And so even when it comes to questions of how do you define debt, that hasn't come out yet. They did put out something about recess and they did put out something about 
turnaround schools and how to deal with the plans that they have to put in place since the bill also changed the rules for what kind of plans you can implement now. They eliminated one of the options for some schools, but not for those schools that are already in process. So those two uh, guidelines did come out, but otherwise there's been almost nothing. I checked with the department earlier this week and they said that they are still waiting. I read this really interesting piece from Politico where they looked at the emails and text messages of people going back and forth. And from the implications in it, it sounded as if the Department of Education folks were hoping that this bill would not make it to the finish line. And so they were kind of watching and waiting and hopeful that they wouldn't have to implement this as well. You should read that piece, if nothing else. I I was going to mention it later, but I'll mention it now. Politico Florida did a really interesting piece on those text messages and emails and, and all the give and take going into the passage of House Bill 7069. Good read. Yeah, I'll, I'll have to read that. You know, I guess even if there is a legal challenge, um, I mean, I would expect that it would take some time uh, and they'll they'll have to start implementing it anyway, no matter what happens. I would think they would need to get on with uh, that process. Yes, but they'll have to do it cautiously because they know that anytime they do something without having a department guideline, that they may be reading it wrong and they may wind up having to change a whole bunch of stuff that they didn't want to undo. So school districts often act very cautiously when they don't have some sort of rules or regulations from the state to bolster the law as it's been passed and put into effect by the governor. Well, Jeff, there's there's been some interesting uh, uh, developments here on another front also regarding uh, school district funding uh, around Florida, especially among certain districts. You um, were at the Pasco School Board meeting the other night when uh, Melody Johnson, the chairwoman of the Volusia County School Board, uh, came and spoke with the, the Pasco County School Board members about what she thought was a very important um, matter that they should uh, maybe join in and uh, help help them uh, appeal to the state. Can you can you talk a little bit about that? You I think you were there when Melody spoke, and you may have talked to her as well. It was really interesting. That was probably the longest drive for the shortest conversation to take place in Florida in a while. She she came all the way 110 miles or so to give our three minute conversation, actually just speech to the school board, urging them to join in their fight against the district cost differential, which bottom line is a maybe 14-year-old policy that changes the funding slightly for each school district based on the cost of living generally in the school district. So a district that's smaller and costs less to pay, say the school district employees, gets a slight bit less than a dollar for every dollar generated in taxes, while ones that cost more get a little bit more. So a Miami would get a dollar two, whereas a Pasco would get a 98 cents. Pinellas and Hillsborough are basically right on the cutting edge. They get about a dollar and like a hundredth or seven hundredths or seven thousandths, I mean, of a dollar more. So, So her point is that they feel like the school districts that give money away are getting robbed, and she calls it DCD theft. Dr. David Dinslow, who helped dis- develop the formula, has admitted it needs to be relooked at as it's harming more counties and it's helping. Just so you know, 55 counties in Florida are negatively impacted. 12 are receiving the money. All we ask is that every dollar that leaves our counties returns to our counties. Hold our families and our children's harmless. After all, have you ever seen a fire department or a police department receive or give tax dollars to another county? (coughs) 
why do we do this in education? I'm medical, so I put this as educational malpractice. And it's a really interesting concept because it's been something that people have been fighting about for a while. Some lawmakers have been pushing to get it changed with little regard. Uh, I've been getting some feedback on social media about this, and people are both both minds on it. I mean, they point out that it's a, a largely political thing, but it's largely fair because it does cost more to do business in Miami than it does in some other places. And at the same time, you know, some of the poorer schools can generate additional funds per student because they get Title I and all these other types of programs that are out there anyway. So, uh, you know, it's a matter of, of perspective, but the battle is brewing. Lots of districts are starting to pay attention to this and joining into this. Senators Huckel and Hudson from the East Coast have submitted a letter to Pres Senate President Negron asking for a review of the DCD. And it will be really interesting to see how this plays out. I, I don't know if you've heard anything more about this or, or read about it in the past. You covered pa Pinellas schools for a long time. Did this ever come up in the past? Um, just that, you know, Pinellas was always uh, complaining uh, when I covered uh, this was uh, back in 2003 to 2008 or so, uh, that they were always a, a donor district. They were always, uh, you know, uh, they weren't getting all of their money back that they had uh, put into state coffers, and that was a that was a big complaint for many years in Pinellas. Um, you know, you mentioned the the formula. There's a the, there's a slight differences in between counties with the formula, but I guess uh, Melody Johnson made the point the other night that since 2003, when this uh, uh, DCD was put in place. Pasco, she said, has lost a total of fifty-three million dollars, which is uh, real money. Um, so, uh, but I, I see the point too that there there are differences in local economies around the state. Your your teacher in uh, in Miami Dade is is going to make more than than the teacher in uh, Pasco County. It's just the way it is with the the local economies. Um, and I, if I'm not mistaken, I think there are other areas in the uh, Florida's uh, education funding program where their distinctions are uh, uh, that th where they account for the differences between areas like that. Um, so uh, it'll be interesting to see uh, uh, how this shakes out. If the, uh, the effort to, to fight this uh, DCD is, is um, taking, you know, gets any traction with these two legislatures, uh, legislators pushing this. It's funny because she sort of made a throwaway comment during her, her speech to the school district in Pasco, where she said, you know, the Miami-Dade people have said, bring it on, that they, they welcome a review of this as well, because they think that they should get more money than what they're getting right now. So sometimes you have to be careful for what you wish for, because maybe an extra hundredth of a dollar, that's a penny, or, or some percentage thereof could make a big difference in each direction. Well, yeah. As always, it's uh, there's only so much money to go around in uh, Florida and education, and there's always going to be these uh, these debates. Um, we uh, every podcast we look at uh, the, the lighter side of things, and uh, uh, where we pick out one or two things that we noticed in the news over the week. Uh, Jeff, has there, has there been anything that's caught your attention here in the education uh, realm the last week or so? Well, I already mentioned that Politico 
story on the text messages and emails between lawmakers and other officials during 7069. So I, I don't want to mention it again, except for to say, read it. And I, I instead, I'm just going to mention that I was flying on an international flight and I saw this movie Gifted and it stars Chris Evans, who most of us probably know as Captain America from all the Avengers movies instead. But it's about a gifted kid in Pinellas County, Florida, of all things, and how how people are divided over what to do with her education because she's like super ultra smart as a first grader going into like college level math, but yet she has social skills that really need first grade. And so it just sort of brought to mind the debates that we've had here in Florida over the number of years over what gifted education is or isn't and whether, you know, we do enough for it. Is it really a special education need as they've set aside funding for and, and, how do you really deal with it when parents don't even agree on what to do with their kids and schools can't necessarily provide the services that the children need? And so I'm just going to say, watch the movie. I really enjoyed it. My family enjoyed it too. And it's called Gifted and it's right now on video on demand. And while it may not be like the best movie in the world, it is enjoyable and worth watching. How about for you? That's uh, that's great. I am going to get my hands on that. Uh, I remember you mentioning that when you got home from your trip. Uh, for me, uh, just a couple of small things. Um, WLRN uh, reported uh, a few days ago that Seminole County is rolling out a, a new app that acts as a, a panic button for uh, school employees in an emergency. I thought this was a nifty piece of technology that should uh, come in um, uh, very handy uh, uh, in schools. It's, but th- this Seminole is the first uh, county in Florida to install it. Um, I guess when you tap your finger on the app, um, an alert can be sent simultaneously to uh, 911 and school employees. There are the maps uh, of the school. The actual school itself uh, can be loaded into the app. And, uh, you know, the, that's first responders know exactly where to go, not only to the school, but within the school. So I thought that was um, uh, a nice bit of technology. The other thing I just wanted to note, we always try to keep our um, – Listeners uh, up to date on uh, things that are happening in higher education. We had a uh, the, the Forbes magazine's annual top America's top colleges uh, ranking came out this week, and um, no surprise, the uh, University of Florida was uh, ranked pretty high in that. Especially when it comes to public uh, universities, they were ranked fifteenth. Uh, they were down uh, from thir- a 13th ranking last year. But the big surprise in this ranking this year was for the first time, uh, New College, the uh, small college in Sarasota that is part of the state university system, they cracked the top 25. They're 25th uh, best um, public university uh, in the nation, according to Forbes ranking. So I thought that was interesting. And I'm sure the people at uh, New College are shouting from the hilltops this week. It's branding, branding, branding. I never know if those law, if those um, lists are any good, but I know that the people who land on them love them. Well, if you uh, look at the comments under the story that we ran in the grade book uh, yesterday, you will see a very a lively debate on the, the usefulness of these rankings. So, <laughs> But they're always interesting to look at. And that brings me to the end of our podcast with my usual comment that if you want to join that conversation or any of the other conversations that we have going on, please visit our Facebook page, Tampa Bay Times Gradebook. Follow all the breaking news that we can get to you on our blog, tampabay.com slash gradebook. 
I'm reporter Jeff Solacek. And I'm Tom Tobin. Thanks for listening. 